Hey guys and welcome back to another episode of the Brand Girl Talks with your host Artsy Joey or Johanna, whatever you want to call me. Today's episode is going to be about Tchaikovsky's death and get ready for a crazy episode. I wrote so many pages of notes because this is so interesting and I love this and yeah, just get ready for it. It's the 28th of October, 1893, and Tchaikovsky's Sixth Symphony played for the first time. And Tchaikovsky himself loves the symphony, but won't tell anyone what it's actually about. And then, nine days later, he's dead. What's that supposed to mean? If you don't mind me, I'm going to backtrack a little bit now and tell you a little bit about the history of Tchaikovsky in a nutshell, of basically his 53 years of life in like five minutes so sorry if I don't mention something and you're like yeah but he did this and you're not talking about that I don't have 53 years to do this apart from that would be a great job being a historian for Tchaikovsky because there's that whole place in I'm guessing it's Russia where they keep all of his letters and stuff Pyotr which is Peter in Russian Ilyich Tchaikovsky was born on the 7th of May 1840 in Votkinsk, Russia. Sorry about my pronunciation beforehand. I'm sorry if my English accent whilst I'm saying Russian stuff is irritating, but bear with me. It's gonna happen a lot during this podcast episode. He was born to his dad, Ilya Tchaikovsky, who was a military man for most of his life, and Alexandra Tchaikovsky, who was both German and French. He had six siblings, and by the age of six, he was fluent in French and German. And by the age of eight, he started sight reading better than most of his music teachers. Also, by the time he was eight, they moved to St. Petersburg, which was the capital then. And in St. Petersburg, there was a lot of music. And his parents always encouraged him to do music, but they didn't think it was a good profession or like an acceptable profession, which reminds me of most Asian parents. Yeah, this is so sad. Anyway, so instead of studying music, which he wanted to do, he studied law to make his parents proud. Literally sounds like Indian parents to Indian kids. This is so sad. And then his mum died of cholera in 1854 whilst he was studying law and music on the side, which he became quite depressed about for a bit, which, I mean, anyone would if your mum died. And then after he finished studying law, he decided to become a civil servant. And then after that, he became a bit tired of being a civil servant and then realised he actually wants to pursue music. So he decided to go to school for the arts. And first he went to the Russian Music Society in 1859, where they had concerts and proper theory classes. And then after that, the St. Petersburg Conservatory in 1862 was first started. And he was one of the first students. And it was proper serious studying for music. And there was a range of music styles. It wasn't just Russian music. It was Western music, Russian music, all the other musics that was happening in the Romantic era. Or would it be the Romantic era then? Yeah, it was the Romantic era. Yeah, yeah, of course. Here he first met and was sort of mentored by Anton Rubinstein, who when he gave him his first symphony to be performed, Anton Rubinstein was like, nope. That's not good enough. You have to revise it. So he had to revise it. 
and it still wasn't played after that because he didn't think it was good enough. And kind of during the conservatory days, that sounds like a weird album, or like a weird, sad song, conservatory days. Oh no, that just sounds... Never mind. So during those days, it was the first time where he started to get a mixed bag of criticism because some people loved his style of mixing together Russian and Western music together, but some people were like, no, what are you doing? Just stick to one or the other because you're clearly not it. And obviously they were wrong, weren't they? I mean, you always need some criticism anyway. And then in 1865, he was offered a great job as a professor in the Moscow or Moscow, I don't know which one you prefer, but you can choose, conservatory where he composed a lot and he wrote a lot of reviews and criticisms for other people. Also, it was around this time he got his first fiance, Dazuri Aritov. That does not seem like a Russian name. It seems French. It's like spelled D-I-S-I-R. E with an accent and then E and then it's A-R-T and then O with the little arrow on top of the O, T. That seems French, that, that is not Russian and that didn't work. And then he was married for a bit to Antonia Milikova and by a bit I mean a month and then he had a literal panic attack and he was miserable and stressed out and he had a nervous breakdown and he had to pay her monthly and he was just, he couldn't do it so he walked out and he said it wasn't her fault because now in the 21st century we know that Tchaikovsky was definitely gay and even though the Russian cultural minister Vladimir Medinsky said that Tchaikovsky was not gay, has he even read any of his letters or seen anything he's talked about? Like clearly. Poor guy, he was really trying for a month to act straight and that didn't work so he literally had like a nervous breakdown and had to get a divorce. Another woman he was close to was Nadesta Von Meck who he actually never met. She was his patroness for 13 years and they sent letters to each other like around 1200 letters that's a lot of letters but she said she never wants to meet him because i think she knew he was gay and she was like i don't want to cause a burden or act like we're in love or anything let's just be really close friends and it showed through the messages tchaikovsky would go into full detail about everything to her and it was good for tchaikovsky because he found a female friend who wasn't after his heart which is very sweet that's adorable but it's kind of crazy because sometimes they would come across each other in public and they would just ignore each other because they never wanted to properly meet so it was always through letters. And then in the 1870s and 1880s he travelled around Europe a lot, sometimes with his brother Modest who was also gay, or by himself. And then in the mid to late 1880s he decided he wanted a change of pace and decided he wanted to settle down. And he had a very high social standing at this point and he knew the Tsar Alexander III and yeah he lived in the countryside near Moscow and St Petersburg so he wasn't too far away from either of them and he didn't really like the socialite life but promoted Russian music and did a bit of conducting on the side. But whilst he was traveling around Europe he did meet a load of famous composers and became friends with quite a few of them. And in 1891, he even went to the US where his music was played in Carnegie Hall, which is crazy. Because first of all, travel was a lot harder back then. So to get from Russia to Carnegie Hall was crazy. And just like to get your music played in Carnegie Hall anyway, that's like, whoa. 
It was then around this time that Nadezda started losing money and stopped sponsoring Tchaikovsky, which he was really sad about because he lost one of his best friends because they stopped sending letters to each other. Then in 1893, he was given an honorary, hon honorary, that's so hard to say, a doctorate from Cambridge, which is crazy. I mean, this guy is crazy. Not like mentally, but like his life was crazy. He. And his music is like some of the best ever. I love the Romantic era. And then we're back up to date to the 28th of October, 1893. His last symphony, Symphony Number no. 6 in B minor, Pathétique, which does not mean pathetic, as I once thought when I was first studying Beethoven's Pathetic. Pathetic, not pathetic. It just means passionate or emotional. And I'm pretty sure both Pathétique and Pathetic come from the Greek word pathos, which means, I don't know, wait, let me check. It means a quality that evokes pity or sadness. So basically emotional. Actually, I'm pretty sure it was called pathetic by Tchaikovsky's brother Modeste. He will show up a lot during his conspiracy death. So watch out for it. I mean, it's very soon. He dies in like nine days, spoiler alert. And basically, Symphony Number no. 6 doesn't sound very symphony-like. It sounds more like a requiem because, yeah, it's very depressing. It's quite sad. In the third movement, it ends really triumphantly. Listen to it if you want to. It ends really triumphantly and you think it's finished and you think it's like a great finish and then suddenly movement four fades in and it's depressing and it ends on such a depressing note. It's like... It doesn't sound like any of Tchaikovsky's older symphonies, which all ended quite triumphantly and woo, it's the ending, look, happy ending, yay. Symphony number no. 6 was very depressing and had quite a sad ending. And what Tchaikovsky wrote about Symphony 6 was, I have poured my whole soul into the symphony. It is intensely personal, but its meaning will be an enigma. Let people guess it for themselves. It has a lot to say about the judgment, the punishment, and the vengeance of God. And then it's followed with three exclamation marks. Yeah. So many people believe that this is kind of his suicide note, which is really depressing. But it sort of makes sense, because why else would he say that? And why is it so depressing? And then nine days later, on November the 6th, 1893, at the age of 53, Tchaikovsky dies. That's sad. And then three days later, on November the 9th, his funeral was held and it was paid by the Tsar himself. And the place where the funeral was held was supposed to fit 6,000 people, but they managed to cram in 8,000 people to his funeral. And like 60,000 people applied for tickets for his funeral. So it's that, that's pretty crazy. And yeah, that's a brief history of Tchaikovsky in a nutshell. It was supposed to be like five minutes, but it's been like 10. But that's fine, the more you know. Let's have a little break now because I think I need a glass of water, which is a bit ironic for what's about to happen in the story. And we're back. Sorry if you can hear background noise in the background. I don't know where else it would be. But it started raining pretty heavily a couple of minutes ago. 
and it's starting to cool down a bit now so that's good but I've been wanting it to rain for so long because I love the rain and like I don't know the rain just makes me feel more homely which is weird because it's England and it's always rainy so but it's supposed to be the summer now but I love the rain so I, I don't really care to be fair so let's get back to Tchaikovsky's death Ooh. so the official cause of death for Tchaikovsky was cholera which I'm doing in bunny ears or air quotes as most people call them but it really depends how he got cholera in the first place and then there's other ways he could have died as well but the official way that he died was apparently he had gone into Modeste, his brother's apartment and there was a cup of unboiled water on the table which was quite unusual for then because there was a cholera epidemic so no one would have drank unboiled water and also people had written about Tchaikovsky being quite healthy and clean so he definitely wouldn't have drunk unboiled water and Modeste says he drank the fatal glass of water in his apartment and the thing is Modeste said that his brother wasn't scared of cholera which was untrue because his mum had died from cholera and he'd most probably seen so many people around him die of cholera because of the cholera epidemic during that time but then also elsewhere Modeste said he was terrified of cholera so Modeste what are you doing bro? Another problem with this version of Tchaikovsky's death was that he started to get the symptoms of cholera the next day which isn't usual because symptoms for cholera don't come that quickly and also why was there a glass of unboiled water on a table? There shouldn't have been especially for then so either Modeste could have poisoned him with giving him a glass of unboiled water or it was just a story made up so that another story could be hidden and personally I don't think Modeste would have killed his brother because they seemed quite close and they wrote to each other a lot and they traveled a lot and they stayed in, at each other's places a lot and like they both knew each other were gay for back then which was quite weird to tell someone close to you that actually no it wasn't back then in upper class russia a lot of the upper class men were gay and knew each other were gay so i don't know yeah i don't think Modeste would have killed him because they seemed close i think if anything Modeste would have said that story just to cover up something else to save his brother's honor or whatever another way that tchaikovsky could have ended up getting cholera was from ordering an unboiled water at a restaurant which was obviously unusual for back then because of the cholera epidemic and there were a lot of witnesses to this the waiter came to the table and tchaikovsky ordered a glass of water and the waiter said because it was so late they didn't have any boiled water but tchaikovsky said it was fine and just to bring a glass of water anyway which was very weird and the waiter was quite shocked but bought the water anyway and tchaikovsky drank the water but modeste never talks about this even though modeste says that his side of the story happened the day after and he never mentions that he was at the restaurant even though loads of other witnesses said he was but also this would have been unusual because Tchaikovsky was always a clean person and would have never ordered a glass of unboiled water during a cholera epidemic 
The next way he could have got cholera is not very PG family friendly. So if you have kids in the room or if you have parents in the room and you don't want them to hear this, I would go somewhere else and listen to this or just skip maybe like one or two minutes. So this version is that Tchaikovsky visited a man of the night. Ooh, mysterious. It's just another phrase for a male prostitute. Yeah. Because being gay and obviously it wasn't easy for gay people to find physical intimacy, let's put it like that, during that time or even now in Russia, which is very sad. So he would wander around the streets at like midnight craving for casual sex, yeah, and yeah, he would try find male prostitutes. And one way that cholera spreads is through the feces of an infected person. So yeah, I'm just gonna leave it at that. But it makes sense that that was the true story, that Modeste would have come up with another story to cover it up on how he got cholera, because that would have seemed very shameful for back then. Oh, another weird thing about Modeste's part of the story was that the doctor said that Tchaikovsky had died on Saturday night, but Modeste said he had died on Sunday night. So like, what is Modeste hiding? He's clearly hiding something. I mean, it's not like we can go back and talk to him now. Imagine if I did that, I just resurrected Modeste Tchaikovsky and he's here and he's talking to me. This is getting weird, Let, let's skip ahead. To a couple years later when Tchaikovsky's doctor said on his deathbed whilst he was about to die that Tchaikovsky had died from arsenic poisoning. Yeah, adding to the conspiracy I see there. What am I doing? Anyways, that makes sense because arsenic poisoning symptoms are quite close to what cholera is. And also, usually when someone died of cholera back then, they would put their bodies into a zinc-lined coffin, but Tchaikovsky's body wasn't immediately put into a zinc-lined coffin and it was just laid out in a room for friends and family to come visit his dead body. And the thing is, friends were even kissing his dead body like Nikolai Rimsky-Korsakov, who wrote Flight of the Bumblebees, if you can play it slowly, you can play it quickly. If you get the reference, there you go. To my music nerds out there who also watch Two Set. And this was really weird because why would you kiss a body that has cholera? You'd probably get cholera from it. But then also, if the people were kissing the body, then surely they would have known that he had died of arsenic poisoning and not cholera. But yeah, that, that makes sense. And I feel like it links up with the next part of the story. The next two theories are linked in the fact that they both think that Tchaikovsky was ordered to commit suicide. Yeah, I know. Scandalous. Ooh. I honestly don't know what I'm doing anymore. So the first one is that Tchaikovsky was ordered to commit suicide by the Tsar himself, Tsar Alexander III. So the story is that he found out that Tchaikovsky had seduced the son of a caretaker and it was just like this huge story and he was like, that's not good, you should commit suicide to stop yourself from losing your honour. And I personally don't think this is the right story because there's like hardly any evidence to it. The second theory of this theory group of Tchaikovsky was ordered to be poisoned I think is a bit more believable but it's a lot of he said that she said that he said that it's a bit like 
timeliney. So the theory goes that Duke Stenbock Firmer was disturbed by the amount of attention that Tchaikovsky was paying his 18 year old nephew. So he was like, I'm not having this. And he told Nikolai Borisovich Jacobi, who then brought together a whole court of honour, I'm doing this in air quotes again, of his old friends from back in his school days, in his conservatory days. And basically they came to the conclusion, well the Duke came to the conclusion, that if Tchaikovsky didn't commit suicide for his honour, he would send a letter to the Tsar about... Tchaikovsky seducing his 18 year old nephew and if he did commit suicide the letter would be burned and Tchaikovsky wouldn't be exposed and his dignity would be saved. And then this information was passed down to Nikolai Borisovich Jacobi's wife Elizaveta Karlovna 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 there you go I can pronounce things and then she was widowed by Jacobi and then she passed the information down to Alexander Voitrov, who then passed it down to Alexandra Olova who publicly talked about it in 1979. So it's a huge like timeline from back in... Well the unofficial court of honour was held on October the 31st 1893 which was six days before Tchaikovsky's death and then that was taken all the way up to 1979 so it's like a huge timeline so factual evidence could have been distorted so it could be slightly untrue or fully untrue or or maybe fully correct we'll never know. Another theory is that Tchaikovsky just simply committed suicide because his nephew Vladimir Davidov who was nicknamed Bob yeah that great nickname and they were very close. It's never said that they were in a relationship, which is kind of weird, yeah, but they were at least very close. And around a couple months or years before Tchaikovsky died, they were growing apart and Tchaikovsky wrote, no news from my darling, I can't take it anymore. If only he would write me just an itty bitty note. So that seems pretty desperate and also, his last symphony, Symphony Number no. 6, which I played at the beginning of all of this, was dedicated to Bob. Yeah, so he could have just committed suicide because Bob wasn't talking to him. I feel like that's a bit petty though, so hmm, I don't know. And that was the last theory. I personally don't think he died of cholera. I feel like that was a cover-up for arsenic poisoning. I don't know if I think he committed suicide and I think it's something to do with the court of honour. But it's all a theory, a game theory. I'm kidding, I'm kidding. Don't copyright me. Can you copyright me for that? I'm pretty sure you can. Yeah, so it's all up to your interpretation and obviously facts and stuff. But yeah, I hope you enjoyed this conspiracy theory one of me loving romantic era composers and does this count? Yeah, this is a definitely a conspiracy theory. It's just an old conspiracy theory that's been around for a century and a bit now. I guess that moves us on to podcast worthy mentions. That's a little homage to the Stuff You Should Know podcast, which is still one of my favourite podcasts and I can't stop listening to. 
Yeah. So the podcast worthy mentions for today are first of all, Symphony Number no. Six in B Minor, Pathetic by Tchaikovsky is a must listen to. Like, yeah, just listen to it. It's really good. Unless if you're not used to like classical romantic music and you don't realize it's like 40 minutes long then listen to like one of the movements i like the first one the best but that's also like 18 minutes long so yeah just pick a movement and listen to it and then if you're interested in it listen to the whole thing which i think is probably the best way of listening to a symphony because that's what it was intended to be listened to like i can't english second podcast worthy mentions are two youtube channels that inspired me to make this podcast episode first of all two set violin because they did this whole classical music conspiracy thing and they talked about tchaikovsky's death and i was like hmm i should do that that sounds fun let's research that and then second piano tv which i used to watch a lot of a couple years ago and i still watch occasionally and she did a two-part video based around Tchaikovsky and his life and his death and his, like, how he lives on through his music. And they're really interesting if you want to go watch them. And yeah, two-step violin is great. As a fellow violinist or violinist or what is up with my pronunciation today? It's messy. They're really interesting because you don't see many slightly younger people talking about classical music and it's fun and it's relatable. Yeah, so if you're a musician, I'd definitely go check them out. And now we're on to facts of the day and it's plural because who wants just one fact? Come on. So first of all, it's a fact that I forgot to mention during the rest of the podcast and it's that during the later life of Tchaikovsky, he refused to get medical attention from a doctor or doctors. And yeah, that's also a bit, hmm, what's going on? But back to the main facts. The 1812 overture written by Tchaikovsky was about Napoleon invasion in Russia and then Tsar Alexander I fighting him off. And Tchaikovsky hated this. He hated this piece so much because He said it was written with no love and just hate and war. But the cool thing is, in the piece, they use cannons. Literal, not like cannons as in like a round, like cannon in D, but like cannons, cannons, like gun cannons. And yeah, it's it's supposed to make the sound of like a percussion sound. So when the cannons fire, it's supposed to be like these mighty percussion people. And yeah, that's pretty cool. And then a couple years later after Tchaikovsky's death, they used cannons to set off like fireworks and stuff during the piece, which is also really cool. And they had acrobats and that that's really cool. Another fact which leads on to the next episode that I'm planning to do. So here's a little spoiler. Not really, it's just linked. Tchaikovsky loved Shakespeare plays and he and he wrote a lot of his pieces inspired by Shakespeare plays like The Tempest, Romeo and Juliet, and my personal favourite, Hamlet. I love Hamlet. So good. Like, the Robert Icke version of Hamlet with Andrew Scott in it as Hamlet. I'm saying Hamlet way too much. Oh my gosh, it's so good. Yeah, it's incredible. The Tempest is also good, but I studied it for like my GCSE Shakespeare play, so I'm a bit tired of it. And guess what? I'm also studying it for my A-level Shakespeare play, so another two years of The Tempest. Yay! 
like the Globe Theatre version was good, but the movie version, I didn't like the movie version that much, to be fair. Like they had a good cast and everything, but like, eh. For those of you who don't know, GCSEs are like your high school, actually I don't know what I'm talking about. GCSEs are like when you're, how old are you? Feels like ages ago now since we've been in quarantine. Basically your GCSE exams are when you're 16 and then your A-level exams are when you're 18 or younger depending if you're a child genius or your birthday is just later on in the year. <laughs> and then I don't like Romeo and Juliet. The only good thing about Romeo and Juliet is Leonardo DiCaprio in the movie version. That's it. Like everything about Romeo and Juliet is just unnecessary. Like no, stop. I'm pretty sure I went on this rant last episode, but like these teenage kids fall in love in a day, get married, and then decide to die for each other. Like, calm down. Also, the only good thing, the second only good thing from Romeo and Juliet is West Side Story, which is good. I'm just gonna leave it at that. I don't wanna have too many unpopular opinions, as Greg James would say. Love Greg James, he's so cool. I mean, I like the West Side Story, but like, it's a tad bit overrated, just a little bit, but it's iconic, so that really levels that out. And that brings us to the end of the episode. I hope you enjoyed it. Thanks for all the nice comments I received from the episode before. Like, I was really nervous to start talking about it because, weirdly enough, I don't like the sound of my own voice that much which is weird for starting a podcast and deciding to edit everything yourself. Also having a YouTube channel, which you can find at Artsy Joey. Quick shameless plug, I'm sorry. I do this thing, I edit whilst I'm doing the podcast. So in between sentences and paragraphs and stuff, paragraphs, no, I'm speaking. In between phrases, I'll be editing it because yeah, I don't know, I find it easier. Otherwise, I don't have to think about listening to my voice so much for like another extra two hours after recording the podcast. So yeah, thanks for all the nice comments. It lifted my ego a bit. I'm kidding. If anything, my ego just became to a normal level. This is so sad. When did this become so depressing? But yeah, I hope you enjoy this episode. You can find me on Instagram, YouTube, Pinterest, you can also find me on Twitter and Facebook, but I never use them. You can find me on all those things at Artsy Joey and just search it in the search bars on whatever social media you're using and I should come up because like, I'm always there. I'm on some social media if you want to find me. You can find me on Etsy. I have a little store where I sell stickers and bookmarks and badges and jewelry and digital downloads and all that jazz. You can find it at Artsy Jerry Co on Etsy when you search it up. And I hope you like the stuff there. It took me a while. <laughs> we just hit 20 sales. That's quite cool because I didn't think I'd be able to reach that because I don't know. I just didn't think I'd do it. You can find me on Redbubble. I don't know why you'd want to, but you can find me there at Joey8412. And I think that's all my plugins. If you enjoyed this episode and you're new, make sure to leave a review on iTunes and put a comment in which you'd like me to reply to and I'll try to reply to it or DM me on Instagram, I should reply. I'd like to start a listening email or DM section 
where I answer your strange questions or whatever you want to ask me or maybe it's just a statement and you want me to put it on the podcast. I'm also looking for potential sponsors so if you're a small business and you like for me to advertise your stuff for a sponsor I'd love to do it because I don't know I want to become like a proper podcasting person even though I'm this random 16 year old brown girl who's just planning to record her voice on a random topic. That's a podcast though it's fine. Yeah so I hope you enjoyed this episode and I'll see you in the next episode which it's gonna be about Shakespeare and it's not gonna be boring because honestly people make Shakespeare so boring and it shouldn't be and it shouldn't really be forced on students because then that's how people start hating Shakespeare. Yeah so see you soon and if you want to find me in the time being all the links that I mentioned before well they're not links just shameless plugs. Yeah bye!